Can we just continue to welcome the presence of God? That was some awesome worship. Love the lineup. Um, I'm going to preach to you or teach you this morning, and we're going to continue our series on the early church. I'm going to read a verse to you in just a second here, Acts 2.42. And uh, today we're focusing on the apostles' teaching. We've been looking at the devotion of the early church, the love of the early church. How many remember the series that we started uh, several weeks ago? Remember that? Okay. Nobody remembers it. Cool. Yes, you guys are. They're, um, they're online if you want to listen to them. Uh, I would encourage you to. We talked about the devotion of the early church. What would it look like if we could have a family reunion with our family, our church family? If we could go back and glean from the pure DNA in the early church. And this morning, I want to talk about the apostles' teaching in Acts 2.42. And there's, a re- there's really a lot I'd like to unpack, and I'm, I've got a lot of things burning in me. Um, so we're just going to go for it. I want to read Acts 2.42 to you. If you, are, uh, you have your Bibles, you can pull them out or read with me over top. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and prayers. I'm going to read verses 43 through 47. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising and having praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. I want to pray, and then I want to just, we're going to sing a little hymn and uh, and just welcome the manifest presence. Continue to posture our hearts to welcome. How many know the Holy Spirit indwells us? How many know He rests upon us? How many know that when you agree with the heart next to you to welcome Him, the manifest presence of God? In other words, his glory is literally increased in a geographical location. Someone might say, well, that's theologically impossible. Well, it may be to your theology, but to the Bible, it's not. Amen. I'm glad for those of you that thought that was kind of funny. That was a joke. I was just being mean. I like to be mean sometimes. God's presence manifests when our hearts say we welcome him. It's so good. So let's sing. I want to pray, and then we're going to sing this this hymn, this chorus, written by Michael Lighty. You are welcome in this place, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the empowerment that is going to come. We thank you for the fire that will be imparted. We thank you for what you're already doing in this room. And so we posture our hearts, and we anticipate. We say, Lord, we we come hungry. We come to the table that's already set. We come, and we take the we come, we receive the bread of your presence, and we say, you're welcome here, Lord. Would you say that out loud? Say, you're welcome, Lord. Let your heart just open up, and let's sing it. 
Holy Spirit. your voice, sing Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, sing that again. Come on. Holy Spirit, we lift it up. Won't you come, oh Lord, Spirit of the Lord, we need you, we want you. Come on, let's sing it. Fire. 
ask you to lift up your voice and your prayer language right now. Come on. Those of you, you have your prayer language, just begin to lift it up in song or in prayer. Come on, just let, let incense rise right now from the, the throne of your heart, the, the altar of your heart. Come on, let incense rise right now. Give it up, Lord. Come on, sing out, sing out. Burn, burn, burn. Let your heart burn. You're talking to God. You don't need an interpretation. You're praying to Him. Don't forbid. This isn't a tongue of exhortation. It's a tongue of edification, of exaltation in your prayer, your spirit praying, your spirit singing, your spirit exalting the Lord, praying in the spirit, singing in the spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now begin to thank Him. Just begin to thank Him. God, you're so good. I love what Michelle was sharing during offering. God, you're, you're, you just bless us, Lord. You always take care of us, Lord. We trust in you. I've had times where I didn't know where I was going to live. God, I just trust you. And I was, I, I was always taken care of. You take care of us, God. You clothe the, the lilies of the field. How much more will you take care of us, Daddy? You, you literally number every hair in our head. Some, for some of us, that's real easy. But, Lord, we thank you that you care for us, God. See, some of you need a little humor in the midst of moments like that because you think that you have to be somber and religious in those moments. God is so good. We should be the most joyous people on the planet. We should be so full of the spirit of the living God that people are just drawn, saying, man, you, I just want to be around you. Have you ever been around people like that? Have you ever just, there's something about someone's heart and gifting and who they are in God, and it's like you just want to be around them? should all emanate the life and love of Jesus. I want to share this word with you this morning. Thank you, brother. I want to share, what what is apostles teaching me? I want to talk about this, and there's three things I want to focus on, and I I believe it will uh, really stir your heart this morning. I feel like I just want to just keep going, but it's okay. You can sit down. It's nice. I've heard this taught before, and uh, I don't want to just regurgitate what I've heard taught. I, I, I've thought about this for a long time, prayed about it for a while, studied it through. And, you know, when we look at this, we could think, okay, apostles teaching. Well, let's talk about doctrine. Well, let's, let's talk about, you know, some uh, systematic theology. And I'm not going to go there at all because most of the time if we start talking about systematic theology, it's a bunch of theology that came after the apostles, long after the apostles. It's a bunch of theology that came into church history even maybe hundreds of years after the apostles. So what I would like to do, instead of talking about the branches of the tree, I want to talk about the seed. Because some of the branches of theology have actually been grafted in by man. And I want to talk about the heart of what this means, the apostles teaching. First and foremost, let's talk about power. Say power. The apostles walked in power. I love that word. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
I like power. I don't mean power in authority, but I like the Spirit of God flowing through individuals. I don't want it any other way. I don't want to function as a gathering without power. The gospel was preached by the apostles with signs and wonders following. The gospel is a gospel that is demonstrated in power, not just in word. It is not just in the eloquence of breaking down Romans Road and how to get saved and telling someone they're a sinner. It is exalting Jesus as Lord and declaring the gospel of the king's domain in power. Signs and wonders following. As a church, we should never, never neglect the core of what the gospel is about. Paul said this in Romans, that it is not the true gospel or the full gospel, I should say, unless it is followed with power and signs and wonders. In other words, there's a demonstration. Paul even said to the church of Corinth, he was an apostle. He said that if you, uh, he said, I don't come to you preaching an eloquent sermon to demonstrate the wisdom of men, but I demonstrate the, the spirit and the power of God. I believe it's important for us to understand that the gospel is to be preached in power, that we have to understand that, that God wants us yielded to the Spirit of the Lord. That's why I, I wanted to open with that song. The Holy Spirit was sent from the Father. Jesus said, the Spirit that proceeds from the Father, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's with you, but will soon be in you. John 14, 15, 16, 17. He begins to tell him about the spirit of truth. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come. I will not leave you orphans. He will help you. He is your helper. And the spirit of God wants to equip the church with power. We need to get back to the seed of the root of what the early church was birthed on that would take an ordinary fisherman that was flaky and moving this way and that way who denied the Lord one chapter and in the next chapter is one who stands up and preaches the first message the church ever heard when the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God wants to clothe you. The Spirit of God, God wants to baptize you in fire. I think it's so vital that we get this. First of all, let me, let me just share with you for a moment that there is no record of the early church being led by a pastor. There's 22 apostles in the New Testament by name and others implied, not just 12. Well, the apostles, you know, after they died out, miracles, signs, and wonders. Well, which apostles are you talking about? The original 12? It's, it's a false doctrine called cessationalism. And it's got to be torn down. It's a Christian sacred cow. It's a doctrine of demon. It's a doctrine. It's demonic saying that Jesus basically does not heal today. There's no day of miracles. There's a God of miracles. And the Bible said he doesn't change. I want you to get this. That God, that there, there was apostles in the New Testament that, that led churches, that oversaw churches. Later on they called them bishops. But there's literally 22 apostles and one of them was for sure a woman, another one possibly a woman too. I know that messes with some of your theology, but that's okay. And they were probably submitted to their husband too. Let me throw that in there. Amen. There's headship, not rulership. There's headship. We're not talking about just wild, whatever, anything goes. There's headship. 
But there is 22 apostles in the New Testament. Why is the apostles' teaching so important? What can, if I just look at the tree and think about all the branches, of what does that mean, apostles' teaching? We need to know systematic theology. I want to know what it means to be justified and sanctified and glorified in the golden chain in Romans chapter 8. And I want to know doctrine, pastor. No, you need to know the heartbeat of God. No, you need to understand that when the apostles rose up, there's something about you, you read where in chapter 4 it says they were preaching and they perceived they were uneducated in the scriptures, yet they knew they had been with Jesus because of the courage on the inside of them. Why? Because they preached the gospel in power. Well, I, I, I just don't like that kind of gospel. Well, that is the gospel. It is what it is. Say it is what it is. It's a gospel of power. Hear me, church. The church should be the most powerful entity on the planet. When I say that, I mean when we're walking the streets, people should be running to us for free healing, for free prayer. We should be walk. Listen, the counterfeit is the psychics and all that other garbage. Do you remember Moses' snake ate all the other snakes, all the other magician snakes? We should be setting up on First Friday a prophetic table and prophesying the love of God to the lost. Because it's a gospel of power. That is the apostles' teaching. The Holy Spirit is, the the Holy Spirit wants to clothe you with dunamis power. The Greek word for power in Acts 1-8 is dunamis. An explosive power that God supernaturally enables people. God wants to clothe you with that this morning. God wants you to get to the root of, listen, I want to tell you real quick. I got saved when I was 17. Um, I was a normal rebellious teenager, you know, I did drugs and partied and had fun, did whatever I wanted to do. I was a jerk. I was, um, you know, I was rude. I was angry. Uh, I hated people. You know, I, I didn't have great relationship with people. I, I was just, I was a wild guy. God gripped my life with his love. I got saved in June 1992, and then I received an amazing Christmas present. On December 25th in 1992, and it was the gift of the Holy Spirit. I was indwelt with the Spirit of God. God put his, the seed of His nature in me. I began to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. He was changing who I was. He gave me a new heart. And then He clothed me with power from on high on December 25th. I'd heard people in the church praying in their spirit language. I said, I want that. I want that Holy Spirit that they, they speak of. I want that power. I want to be able to pray. I found quickly that there was times I would be praying, and I'd be praying in English, and I'd say, Lord, I just pray this, and I pray that, and I was mimicking other Christians and didn't really you know, understand the heart of what I was praying or saying. But there was something about somebody who could just pray in the Spirit. There was something about that gift that I said, God, I want that. I, I long for that. So December 25th came, and I prayed with somebody, He shared some scripture with me, and I got uh, hands laid on me, and the power of the Holy Spirit hit me so hard, the spirit language just flooded out of my being. It was as if I was saying, finally, I get to worship you in this language, God, finally. And in that moment, all the faith in the world was put inside me, because that was my inheritance. Not only should we be a people of power, when we look at apostles' teaching, we should be a people of great faith. Because if we're clothed in power, then we can rest in the faith of God that has been put in us. We partake of his divine nature. Do you think God ever doubts? Hello? His nature's in you. 
when I received the Holy Spirit, it was as if no doubt existed in my being. Now, there's been times the gift of faith has been supernaturally has come upon me. I'll tell you one quick story, and then I'll move on. There was a time where uh, one of my uh, sister-in-laws, Naomi, I'm sure I can share this. I'm sure she doesn't mind. She was sick, and someone gave her some medicine, and she had a bad reaction to it, and she stopped breathing. They called the paramedics. They're doing CPR. For 40 minutes, she stopped breathing. We got the phone call. I had just gotten home from work, and immediately... We began to pray. We didn't ask God for His will to be done. Because we knew what His will was. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Thy will be done. Jesus never prayed that in relation to healing. Hello? Okay. I'm glad you all believe with me. Here's what we did. Michelle's on the phone with Lori. The paramedics are trying to pull Lori, who's the mother of the one who stopped breathing. Nobody's going to pull me off my baby. Come on, mamas. You know, speaking in time. She probably punched one of the paramedics, did you? you? She pushed him. See, I know you well. I know how you are. Her baby was dying and stopped breathing. The paramedics are saying, it's done. I'm sorry. We get on the phone. We said, Father, we thank you for life. And here's what we prayed. I command life to be breathed into Naomi right now in the name of Jesus. In the moment, we were not praying a wish or a hope. It was a substance and a reality of this is it. There's no doubt in this thing. We're raising the dead. This is the apostles' doctrine. Hello? A gospel of power. A gospel of the Holy Spirit enables us to do supernaturally what we cannot do on our own. Right when we said the word life, from lifeless to <gasps> Naomi got up just like that. Why? Because the power of God that resides on the inside of us. See, there's life in your words. The gospel is not to be just preached in the eloquence of words. This is what God has been restoring to the church for the last hundred years or so. The gospel is not just feeding the hungry or clothing the naked. That's a part of the kingdom to ministering to the broken. But it's not that alone. The social gospel. No, it's the gospel of the kingdom. And when the king's in charge, people get healed, saved, and delivered. I sure would like to meditate on this a little bit more, but there's some other parts I want to I want to pull out of this. Apostles' teaching. So I want you to say power. It's a gospel of power. You need to be endued with power. You need to you need to walk with the Lord and you're if you don't pray in tongues, you need to start praying in the spirit constantly. You need to pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to exercise that gift. You need to build up as Jude 20 says, your most holy faith on praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, I just don't like to do that. Well, get used to it. Because Paul said, one of the greatest apostles that ever lived, how many would disagree with that, wrote three quarters of the New Testament, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, I have a a little challenge for you. Try to outdo Paul. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. It's, It's literally like, Opening up the valves of the rivers of life flowing out of your being. 
I'm, when I'm discouraged, I just, it's hard to pray in the spirit. That's why you're discouraged. Let me say that again to the Presbyterian section over here. I just, I'm just too discouraged to pray in the spirit. That's why you're discouraged. Now, the Catholic section over here. No, I'm just kidding. We love every denomination. It's just a little quiet in here. We're an interdenominational church. Amen? I'm still Catholic. Catholic means universal. We're all part of the universal church. Come on, somebody. Burn some incense up in here. Let's worship God. The gospel is to be preached in power. The Spirit of God wants to clothe us, wants to baptize us in fire, wants to ignite. Listen, some of us pray and we don't have a prayer life. Because your prayers are dead. It's called religion. It's called the tradition of man. Well, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Why? When Jesus prayed, he lifted his head up and opened his eyes and said, Thank you, Father. Oh, come on. That is the most traditional load of garbage in the world. Bow your head and close your eyes like you can't face Papa God. God is not some sterile entity. He is a loving Father. He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And guess what? The Bible says I can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy. So don't have a dead prayer life, but may your prayer life be alive and ignited with the fire of heaven. Pray with power. Live in power. Walk in power. This is what the apostles walked in. And they were ordinary people, the Bible says. I'm just ordinary. Well, the Spirit of God will make the ordinary extraordinary. The Spirit of God will burn in such a way in you where you you don't even know what you're going to say, and God will fill your mouth with the word of the Lord. We should be a people that are utterly dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. In the last hundred years, how many revivalists have we seen that God raised up and I mean, dramatically, we've seen from one little woman named Agnes in Kansas City in January 1st, 1901, that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to literally hundreds of millions, nearly a billion that have received the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We should be a people that are utterly dependent on the power of God. We should be a people that understand that this gospel that we preach is in power. In other words, in demonstration. In other words, we just don't have just an encouraging word, but we can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. That we can raise Naomi from the dead. That we can cleanse the lepers that we have freely received, now we freely give. Now that's an important thing to understand in reference to praying healing over people. You, You don't pray for something that you don't have. You actually release something that you have. That's a good word. Because every time the language of most of our prayers is, God, I pray that you'd heal him. God's already healed him and provided it, and it's in you, and he wants you to open up your heart and get your heart for that person, and through the compassion and love of Jesus that's in you, release the divine judgment upon sickness, infirmity, and oppression on that person. Hello? Acts 10.38. I want you to turn there real quick. Acts 10.38. I'm still talking about power. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, and with power. 
He went about doing good, healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How God anointed the, Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. See, when we, when we release life out of us, we're not praying for something that we don't have. Freely you have received, now freely give. He's in you. That's what you're releasing. You're releasing who he is. The second thing I want to talk about in the apostles' teaching is Jesus. Say Jesus. We are called to, to release the nature of Jesus. The Bible says, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Every anointing, every gifting in the local church is a manifestation of who Jesus is. Do you know that you are the body of Christ? I think we need to understand that we are the body of Christ. You know, it's interesting to me that when Paul was, uh, Saul was persecuting the church, Acts chapter 9, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? Did he say that? What did he say? Who was Saul persecuting? The church, which is the same thing as, as Jesus. Isn't that interesting? You are the body of Christ in the earth. Some theologians believe when he had this encounter with God, this is where he got this divine mystery that we're the body of Christ. Wow. You are the hands and feet. Here's what the enemy tried to attack for the first 300 years of the church, who Jesus was. And here's what I want to talk about. Jesus is God, the Son. The deity of Christ was attacked more than anything in the first 300 years, through Gnosticism, through different false teachers, it was always about preserving who Jesus was. Jesus told Peter, on this rock I will build my church. You're going to get this. On this rock I will build my church. What is the rock? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is God. Hello? Here's why it's important you understand this. Because if you understand when Ephesians chapter 2 says you were made alive with Him, you were raised with Him, and you're seated with Him, then you are seated with Him far above principality and power. So you're not questioning who He is, which means you're not going to question who you are. And you have your identity in Christ, and you have dominion with Him. And when you are preaching the gospel or the apostles' teaching, this this understanding that the gospel is preached in power and it's a revelation of who Jesus is, that he is Lord of all and we walk in the dominion of Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Oh, I know this. Why are you telling me this? We have to understand this is at the core of the early church of the apostles' teaching. It's the revelation of who Jesus is. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. What is he building his church on? I'm glad you guys listened well. What's he building his church on? What is the rock? Who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He is Lord. He is King. He's Master. He's Messiah. He, he existed, pre-existed with the Father. He, was, he did not... He's not subordinate to the Father. He is God along with Father God. Hello. Just like God, the Holy Spirit. 
Why is it so important that you understand this? Because you have to understand who lives in you. You have to understand that the Messiah, the anointed one, lives in you. And he wants to manifest through you. Amen. Jesus is God. In Hebrews chapter 2, it talks about bringing many sons to glory. Bringing many sons to glory. In in Romans chapter 8, it talks about that the world and creation is eagerly awaiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. See, when you understand who Jesus is, this listen, this is why Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 12. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. That doesn't mean just Jesus is Lord. Because the enemy can say that too. Look, hear, hear what I'm telling you. Number one, if, if the Spirit of God is in you, you will exalt Jesus as Lord of lords and as King of kings. See, the enemy wants to confuse people who Jesus is. That's why there's so many different, I'm not going to get into it, but there's a lot of cults that, that don't believe that Jesus is God. It's a big deal. Hello? Well, you know, Mormonism, it's just a nice little happy religion. No, it's a big deal. Oh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Watchtower Society, they're just nice people. At least they go door to door, praise God. No, they, the number one thing that's attacked is the deity of Christ. This is a big deal, guys. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Why? Because those that are empowered by the Spirit, see, the apostles preserved this pure teaching that Jesus is Lord of Lords. And king of kings. So if Jesus, if the spirit of God is in your life, then you will always exalt him as Lord. And when you're exalting him as Lord, there's no confusion to the principalities and powers that are under you. Because you know who he is. And you know who you are. And that you're seated with him. And you're walking in his dominion. See, when we get this as the church, we don't just you know, come up with all these pure, well, you know, we have to understand this systematic theology, the the apostles' teaching. No, at the core of it all is that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Now, here, here, I'm going to go to point three because I'm going to let you go in a second. Point three is, as we understand that for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I want you to turn to John chapter 20 real quick in the Apostolic Commission. I think in in order to understand what the apostles' teaching is, we have to understand that they were sent. The word apostle means sent one. Now, there are still apostles today. Um, apostles are people that, uh, that are sent by God to a region. Apostles did not die off. There's 22 in the New Testament. I, I want to reiterate that to you. There wasn't just 12. There's 22 named and others implied in the Bible. Amen. And some were women. Amen. Well, I just don't see pastors in the New Testament. Yeah, actually, they're apostles. Amen. Somebody posted a picture of Rochelle preaching, and some girl commented something like that. Just made me want to love her. John chapter 20. Here, here's what I want to get to. This, this is the core. This is the, 
This is what I believe is, is the core of what the apostles' teaching is. You know, it's interesting to me, the apostle in the New Testament is like a father. Uh, you know, uh, Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, you're my children, and, and I, you know, I, I begot you in Christ. And there's a lot of teachers you got, but you don't have any fathers. And, and he's actually writing kind of like a rebuke to him. But I want you to understand something. When Jesus sent the apostles out, what is, what is Jesus to you? Let me just ask you that. What is Jesus to you? When you think of his life, what does he look like? Who does he look like? Who does he emulate? What comes out of Jesus? When Jesus was, was telling the woman caught in adultery, when he said that, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. What was that a manifestation of? When, when Jesus was tell, telling parables, when he's feeding the hungry, or when he's opening blind eyes, when he's cleaning out the temple, what was Jesus in those moments? Who is Jesus? The Bible says God is love. If we're to manifest Jesus, what does that mean? The Bible says in, in uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they are retained. I want to talk about what this means, sent. Now, I could look at it, this a couple different ways, that as the Father sent me, I send you. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. We talked a little bit about that. Side note, receive is not passive. It is an option for you. Hello? You have a choice to receive the Holy Spirit or not. You could either take it. It's the same word in Greek what Jesus took the bread. Interesting. Because we have an option to sit at the table and eat the bread of His presence. See, you, you can either receive Him or you don't have to. There's something about verse 21 that I want to unpack with you right now, and I want you to get this. I want you to understand this is what we were created to do. This is in every Christian. As Jesus was sent by the Father, He said, I send you. He's talking to His apostles, right? Amen? Are we all clear on that? Here's what He's literally saying. Remember when I go back and I read, here's what He's saying. He's saying this. I'm not going to go there yet. The same way I was sent by the Father, you're sent by the Father. I was sent to reveal the love of the Father. Remember I told you, Philip? Let let me just paraphrase. Remember, Philip, I told you? Phil in the background? No, Philip the disciple. Remember, Phil, I said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember he said, I and the Father are one. He's he's saying here, the same way the Father sent me, I am sending you. In other words, you are sent by the same Father because now we are, you're a co-heir with me. Hello, Romans chapter 8. You're seated with me in heaven. I am sending you now to reveal the love of my Father to the earth. Apostles teaching, power, Jesus. But what comes out of Jesus is this amazing love of the Father. Turn to Ephesians 2, and we're going to close. Ephesians chapter 2, real quick. Are you guys getting anything out of this? I have no notes. I'm just going for it. 
I had no verses written down. I'm just going for it. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, this is so good. Let's just read from verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's past tense, by the way. Verse 4, but God. What What a great line right there. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. There, there is an actual, uh, there's a theologian or a scholar that tried to unpack this verse. And one way he put it is that it was God's love that even compelled him to make us. It's like God, is, this is powerful. You ready? The Father is so full of love, or he's so much love, that he had to make you so he could pour his love on you. That, oh, man, that's so powerful. God is so full of love. The Father is so full of love that he actually had to make a being to pour his love on. He's like, I got to make someone to share this with. I mean, it's, it's just who I am. The love of the Father. Now, here, ready? It says, even when you're dead in trespasses, you're made alive. Say, made alive. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to you. Zoe life is the Greek word life. It's not just life, like, oh, I have a good life. It's God's life or the life that's in God that's now in you and now gives you life. Zoe, John 10.10, abundant life, overflowing life. It says, by grace you've been saved and you've been raised up together, say raised up, and you've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Jesus or in Christ Jesus. Wow. Are you are you reading the same thing that I'm reading? You were made alive, you were raised, and you're seated with Jesus to reveal Jesus, which is to show the riches of his compassion and love, this heartbeat of God that his nature is in you. And it's to be revealed to every orphan. It's to be revealed to every widow. It's to be revealed to every drug addict, every prostitute, every lame, every cripple, that we would raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. This is the apostles' teaching. Power, Jesus, and the love of the Father. The love of the Father. Jesus said the same way, John 20, I send, the Father sent me, I send you. In other words, you're going in my daddy's love because you're seated with me. This is, he was raised. You were raised with him. You ascended with him. Listen, this is so important for our warfare paradigm. I just got to tear down the strongholds. Why would you do that? They're below you already. Jesus was exalted far above all principality and power. We have heaven's eviction notice on the enemy in the earth and on people's lives. And they could choose to receive the kingdom or they could choose to reject the kingdom. But we still love them. But we ourselves don't have to be subject. 
we may get attacked. But we don't have to be subject to the attack. Hello. That's why we're more than overcomers. That's why we're victorious. We were seated with him. It's all about Jesus. It's a gospel of power. Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit that proceeds from the Father. Hello? That's very important. Actually, it caused the church to divide in the year 1054 A.D. The East and the West, the Catholic Church as we know it, and the Orthodox Church divided because the Orthodox Church says, why did you change the Apostolic Creed from 325? And they change it from the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Catholic Church added and the Son. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal and it sounds like splitting hairs, but listen, there is a point to it. The Spirit proceeds from the Father and Jesus comes and He gives us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Why is that so important? Because when you understand Apostles' teaching, you understand it's the heartbeat of the Father manifested in the local church which then equips the people to advance the kingdom. He's building his house. He's advancing his kingdom. Are you getting this? It's a big deal. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. I'm seated with him, and now I get to just shine with him and reveal Daddy's love to every human being on the planet. Wow. That's what we're a part of. That's your inheritance. In fact, your inheritance is the seal of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of my Father, Jesus said. It won't be you speaking. It'll be the Spirit of my Father in you. It's so important. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of. You're supposed to finish that part, Bible scholars. To the glory of God the Father. Oh, Daddy. Jesus said, don't pray that other way. Don't bow your head and close your eyes. That's garbage. It only happened one time in the life of Jesus. And when he he was in the garden, he bowed to the ground. You would bow to the ground too if you're about to get crucified and take all the sin of the world. You couldn't do it anyways. Pray, Father in heaven. We get to reveal daddy's love to humanity. That's so powerful. That's the core of what we are as the church. Amen. Would you stand up with me? Father, we love you. Daddy, we love you. The pure DNA of heaven. The pure nature of heaven in us. The pure nature of heaven. The, we partake of divine nature. Jesus, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the enemy. Father, we thank you. That you adopted us. You're so full of love. Love so overflows out of you that you made us so you could pour your love on us. We have the privilege of existing just to receive your love, Daddy. And every human being on the planet must hear of this good news that King Jesus was born to bring back your dominion in the earth. 
And Lord, we just invite your kingdom to come, your will to be done. You're building your church on the revelation of who you are. And Jesus, we thank you. As you manifest who you are, it destroys the work of the enemy. Jesus, you are a revelation of the Father. In him is light, and there's no darkness at all. When I look at Jesus, I see the Father. Jesus is perfect theology. Let us embrace this as your people. Lord, that the apostles' teaching is not just a bunch of systematic theology, but it is a gospel of power. It reveals who Jesus is. And it ultimately is all about revealing the love of Father God to humanity. That we, as human beings, get a partake of His nature. And we are literally called into the family of the triune Godhead. We're adopted. We're accepted. We're beloved. And Lord, nothing can change that because it's been sealed by the blood of Jesus. So we embrace this commission, this covenant. Thank you, Father, that we get to participate in it. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want to. I want you to pray in the Holy Spirit, Lord. I just pray fire on every person right now. I release right now fire and faith to rise up inside of them. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Jesus, you are King. We declare your dominion, Hallelujah. And we release right now, Lord, the love of Daddy God healing an orphan planet the church is alive and well and taking care of some orphans we are releasing power and Jesus and the love of the Father in the earth it's still burning in us it's still alive the torch is flaming even greater God the kingdom of heaven is like a little seed a little mustard seed it's small, it starts out small but then it grows into a big plant that is what's happening in the earth. Your government is increasing. And so we embrace it. It's the apostolic call. It's the apostolic commission. We're all apostolic because we're commissioned with you, God. We're sent by you. So we say yes. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just seal it with praise. Hallelujah.